Father, thank you for bringing us together here this morning as one, worshiping you, giving you glory, and giving you honor and praise. We thank you we have the freedom to do that. We thank you that you have given um, the worship team um, talent and, and ability and gifts to share with us in leading this time of worship. We thank you we can come together as a family in Christ. We thank you that we can bear one another's burdens and that we can share our joys with each other. We thank you, Father, for every good and perfect gift because we know it comes from your hand and we receive it gratefully. Father, as we have just closed out on the year of 2016 and maybe reflect about that fact, we can sense your presence in many different situations in which we found ourselves, ways in which you touched us and gave us your special grace. And there are times we felt somewhat alone as well. But that didn't mean you went away. It may have meant a number of other things, like maybe we weren't listening or looking. But whatever the case, we thank you that you never left us. And now as we enter into a new year, we are excited, actually, about the challenges that you have given, that you have foreordained for us. We thank you for the possibilities for ministry. We thank you for our church. We thank you for the other uh, churches around the community who hold you up and glorify your name. And Lord, we do pray today for those many around the world who are persecuted and seemingly have no way to turn but to you. And you're the ultimate deliverance. And so, Father, we pray today that as we hear uh, even today about... Uh, atrocities taking place all over the world that your hand is upon those those people who are suffering who are who are somewhat helpless or totally helpless touch them in a special way today lord and give them your grace and now father as we go on in the worship time we pray that uh, these words spoken will be your words and that you will teach us from your word. And we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You be seated.
Well, how many celebrated the new year? Anybody have any special celebrations? Oh, I see a few hands there. My wife and I had a very exciting celebration, as we do every year. We know that uh, New Year hits the East Coast first at 9 p.m., and uh, so we watch the ball drop in Times Square at 9 p.m., and then we uh, go to bed. Uh, we've done it. We've met the New Year. So we're looking at the big picture, see? Um, I realized when I was preparing this uh, message, this is the fourth Sunday, the fourth year now, um, that I've had either the last message of the previous year or the first message of the new year. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty neat, actually, when I think about that, because um, it gives me time to really reflect on what has taken place and how God has blessed and how God has worked uh, through my life, through the lives of others. And it's a very special uh, time to be able to think about that. Today, uh, most, um, it, it was pointed out to me most starkly how things change and uh, how this year changed, how this year morphed rather quickly from 2016 into 2017. Uh, we left uh, our house out by Timber Junction on US 26, and uh, we came in, and it was hard pack and ice. And um, then we got into about banks, and uh, it changed to heavy slush. And we got to Brookwood, and um, it was just rain. And we got here, and the sun was starting to come out. <laughs> I won't attempt to say what I, I will interpret that as, but uh, uh, it was very interesting. It was like uh, going from one year into another. I'd like for us to think today about our response or reaction of looking back to 2016 and forward to 2017. And over the past three weeks, I've heard, I, I, as, I, as I compiled all of these comments from people, I heard six different themes, six different things that came through about people's experience in 2016 and what they might or might not be looking forward to in 2017. So I took note of those, and um, I want to share some of those with you. A little bit small there, but uh, the first one, how many of us have heard people say, wow, 2016 was a wild ride. I hope 2017 is even better. And this is what we call the uh, naive response, many of us do, as we look at it. And, uh, and of course, we have to look at underlying motives and so forth, but uh, sometimes we roll our eyes and say, that's pretty naive. 16 was a wild ride, and I hope 217 is better. Have, have you never heard of problems or issues or anything like that? Um, the second one, two, 2016 was the pits. I hope 2017 is better. And we think in our minds, that's the transparent response. There's a real person for you. 
They're being honest. 2016 was terrible. And I hope 2017 is better. The third one, 2016 was great, but I'm really not looking forward to 2017. Hmm. Interesting. And we might be thinking there that this is what we call the longing response. It's a response where we think, what changed in that person's life or in my own life? What changed? Why was 2016 great and why am I not looking forward to 2017? Hmm. What's that about? The fourth one, I had lots of heavy stuff in 2016. I hope 2017 lightens up a bit. Well, that's similar to um, the first one, but uh, it's, it's really the hopeful response. We see in this response a little bit of hope. We see a person who is hopeful, and we ourselves may have uh, expressed it in that way before. Oh, I had, yeah, I had lots of heavy stuff in 2016, but 2017, um, I'm looking forward to it. It'll lighten up, and uh, it's going to be great. And the fifth response, as 2016 closed out, I was so fearful. And now that 2017's here, I still feel this heavy cloud of gloom over me. Now this is especially if you're coming out of the uh, uh, political scene uh, that we had at the end of 2016. You may be exhausted and um, feeling that particular uh, thing that has taken place. And that's the fearful response, and that's uh, the, the sign of a real pessimist. But we may hear the sixth one, which is really, um, really an interesting one. Hey, so why should I be so fearful and are depressed when it's 2016 or 2017 or 2020? If I really believe God's in charge then it's going to be okay no matter what happens. And we may think this is the should-be response. And we may be thinking, hmm, now that's the goody two-shoes I wish I could be like. I wish I could say everything is just rosy, is fine. And we say that person might be overconfident Life really isn't like that. Well, as we enter into a new year, how about if we think about moving toward that commitment of letting God create that in our minds and our hearts that we are not only hopeful, but we can reach these goals He has set for us. And there are problems all around us, we know that. Tension, health issues, money issues, um, marital problems, rising crime rates in Chicago, we hear that all the time, rising taxes, political battles, disregard for human life, denial of truth, terrorism. You know, we could go on for the next hour and we wouldn't even scratch the surface of all the issues and the problems and the tensions we're facing these days. In fact, whether or not we're Christians, sometimes we feel weighted down by some of these 
things. And we often frustrate ourselves too. Has anyone here ever made a New Year's resolution? Yeah, I've made far too many of them myself. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. Um, I've resolved to diet, and that hope, that hope uh, just really dims when the first uh, cookie pie or cake appears on the table on January 1st. Uh, that's over with. Um, we can resolve to exercise, but life's too busy, you know. We resolve to spend less time on social media and more time with family, and that disappears when the first tweet comes in one second after midnight on New Year's Day. Or how about I resolve to read my Bible every morning? <laughs> how many of us have done that? And then we find we modify that resolution. Morning isn't working out. I'll try evening just before bed. And then, um, whoops, last night I fell asleep and I dropped the Bible on my face and it broke my glasses. And I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> that did happen. It happened as I was reading in the bathtub one time too. Well, we want things in our lives to be different. We want them to be for a good. We do. And we have great intentions, but we just can't make it on our own power. We try and we try and we try and we can't make it. And actually, we find ourselves lamenting about these things as if they're something new, all of these problems and tensions. Well, it's, it's worse now. Um, we have, we have more things to do. We're busier than people were in the past and all of that thing, all, all of those things. But let me guarantee you that there's nothing new under the sun. There really isn't. These things started to appear the moment humans began to populate planet Earth. If we look at the Old Testament era... I mean, we can find all kinds of stories, and just scratching the surface, we can see that um, there was Adam and Eve. That was a big time issue. Um, Cain killed his brother Abel. Genesis 6 tells us corruption was rife, and it tells us the Lord saw the great wickedness of man, and every intention of his heart was only evil continually. Mm, bad scene. Joseph's brothers tried to do away with him by deception. People worshipped Baal and Molech, and Molech especially uh, demanded child sacrifice. There were diseases resulting in leprosy and blindness and crippling and death. There were terrible wars. People, even God's people, the Jews were unfaithful to him, grossly unfaithful. Then if we jump to what we call the New Testament era of the Caesars of Rome and the Herods, the ruling parties, the ruling families, they were brutal. They did all kinds of evil to people, especially to slaves and to Christians. They tortured them, they killed them. And you can just read in the Bible all the gory details. They're not pretty. 
Taxes during those days made life almost unlivable. There were famines, there, were, there was drought, there was injustice. And it was all there. It always has been. So there's nothing new that we face today. We may face it in a different way, but there's actually nothing new. So what's the answer? As we drag these issues and problems along with us um, um, from 2016 to 2017, we find that um, we, we've learned some lessons about being persecuted or fearful or anxiety-ridden, but we find that Christians made it through all of these centuries who were like us, but they kept their eyes on the target. So what's the answer? Ever been target shooting before? <laughs> when I was in Cub Scouts <laughs> many years ago, do Cub Scouts still exist? Okay, Cub Scouts. Uh, they were the, the little guys and Boy Scouts were the bigger ones. But while I was in Cub Scouts, we had to earn badges uh, for different things that we did. A lot of it had to do with camping and, and um, those kinds of things, woodcraft and all of that. But uh, one of those was um, uh, target shooting as well. Can you imagine that? Cub Scouts back then, we had rifles. <laughs> that was when I got my first single shot, 22. And I did lots of target shooting. I loved it. Did it all the time. And we used to have a contest every two weeks that we called Steel Nerves. And um, the dads would come along with us. There were about eight dads and there were about 12, 12 guys. And we would do this target shooting and we would play Steel Nerves. And the, girl, and the, the goal was to not be distracted by noise or taunts or voices or even smells. And uh, we were to hit the target. We were to try to hit the bullseye. And I can remember one time being very intent on hitting the bullseye. And I aimed, and I was ready to plug that thing, and all of a sudden this terrible smell came along. One of my friends, to distract me, brought a roadkill skunk and threw it on my right shoe. But I never flinched. Pulled the trigger, and it went right through the center. Well, the focus was on the bullseye of the target, and uh, the idea was we were to know what was happening around us and yet not be distracted. And I won almost every contest in the four years I was a part of it. And others in the club were awed by my ability. And I was too. <laughs> of course, when we get to feeling pretty smug about ourselves, um, there's always something or someone to bring humility to us. Um, I found out the truth later in life when I got married. And uh, Marcia tells me I, uh, I can't think and drive at the same time. Um, which is true. Um, 
I can't walk and talk at the same time very effectively. Um, that usually doesn't work. And um, I can't process information and eat at the same time. I have a one-track mind. So that kind of contest works really well for a person like that. But however weak this analogy uh, might be, it's an example of staying on target, regardless of what's going on around us or the things happening to us. That's the idea here. And so it is in the Christian's life, and this was driven home to me about two weeks ago um, when I was reflecting again. Um, there, there was a, a man by the name of Dr. Arthur Roberts. He was my mentor for 43 years. I met him uh, back in the 70s. And he was a solid man of God and a great teacher, historian. Uh, he served as mayor of the town of Yahats, Oregon down on the central coast for he served there for about six years and um, he was the one who in 1949 gave Pacific College its uh, name it's known by today in Newburgh George Fox College or George Fox University he died at the age of 93 two weeks ago and as he was passing on his two daughters sat by his side and sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. He was aimed at the target. His eyes were on the target. And the target being Jesus and the promise of heaven. And when our eyes are on Jesus and that promise of heaven, all of the things ultimately fade away. Pardon me, even like, even like the smell of the skunk, it fades away when we're on target. But how do we get to that point where we have laser focus on the target? regardless of what's happening around us. How can that happen? Failure that I am, how can I get there? And I would suggest a couple of things from God's Word, the Bible. First of all, as we enter into this new year, it's really important to recognize, affirm, and accept God's gift of grace if we haven't already. Salvation through Jesus Christ. And there's only one way of doing that. And Jesus spoke of that in John uh, chapter 14, verse 6, which reads, I am the way, the truth, and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. Period. I am the way, the truth, and the life, said Jesus. No one comes to the Father except through me. And many times we find ourselves, we would like to pick and choose. I've had students in the past, when I taught at the university, 
taught a Christian faith course. Um, I've had students say, well, I really like this part of the Bible, and I think I should follow that, but this part doesn't really apply to me, and it, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. Well, what doesn't work is we don't pick and choose what we want to follow out of God's Word. We try to maintain our way, and our way's often not God's way. So we have to determine if we're going to go with our way or go with God's way. And our way leads to eternal separation from God. That's a state of mind and soul and body that I don't ever want to face. Complete separation. I can't imagine what that would be like. Complete separation from Him. But God's way leads to grace and love and the promise of eternal life with Him. Secondly there, um, living committed to Christ, being sold out to Him, is vitally important. And it's not the rules and the regulations that determine our level of commitment. It's not how many rules we keep today or tomorrow or how many we did in 2016 and how many we proposed in 2017. That's not it. It's how we see God. Either He is Lord of our lives and all that is, or He's not. Another period in following Him. If we go to our text for this morning, Philippians 1.27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what does that mean? As I was reading more about Paul and um, uh, where he lived in the, in the colony of Philippi, I uh, found that Philippi was a Roman colony, and um, they would really have understood this living worthy meant to be a citizen of the Roman Empire. And it meant not only being a citizen, but one who fulfills corporate duties, one who is a true citizen, one who lives and dies for the Roman Empire. So it was not a reach then when Paul used this example for the people of Philippi to uh, help them understand it didn't matter where they were, or whatever their occupation might be, they were still citizens of God's kingdom and were to think and talk and act that way. And likewise, Paul expressed the importance of living a life that will please Christ and not just going through the motions, obeying the rules, but showing by their very character the truth they speak, even in the midst of adversity and persecution. They were to stand out just by who they were, their character. And Paul says, you Philippians, live this worthy life so that when I return to your city, or not, I will hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, 
And that means a unified offensive, if you will, walking right into the storm. Not like Christians who are in the retreat mode, um, shying away from acting too much like one of those weird Christians. But being happy, rejoicing in the fact that we are Christians and we walk right into the storm. But being of one mind, he says, having the same God-given worldview, seeing things God's way. Let Let the rest of the people of the world argue and fight and do whatever they do if they like to do that. But Christians must be one, a unified front, if you will. Striving side by side for the faith, he says, keeping in mind that evil is not invincible. It means joining in combat, and combat includes prayer and speaking truth, resistance, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remember that one? And sacrifice. And Paul further says that you are not frightened by anything your opponents throw at you. And notice there's an emphasis there on fearlessness, not on anger. There's a difference, but on fearlessness. And that means boldly having cool and calm courage, not being swayed by anxiety or uncertainty. Paul said, for your opponents, this is a clear message, that their attempts to thwart the gospel are empty and worthless, and their commitment to evil will only bring their destruction. If your oppressors and persecutors can see you standing as that kind of example, they could become disgusted with their own corrupt, evil way of life and desire what you have. That's my translation. But this won't be easy, Paul says. He goes on to say, believe in Jesus and you'll also suffer for his sake. Here we're back to that theme of suffering again. Can't we ever get rid of that theme of suffering? Um, No, that's part of it. And any time we engage in combat for uh, um, anything worth standing for, we're going to find that there is suffering, there's affliction, there's often a price to be paid, persecution, there's pushback. It's just part of life in this broken world. But do we just lose hope and resign ourselves to to fumbling around, um, you know, in the dark of confusion and frequently losing sight of the target? I don't think so. We all lose sight of the target from time to time. But if we see things God's way, everything we experience can bring us closer to him, closer to the, to the bullseye of the target. And many times it's all about perspective and attitude. By studying God's word, praying, and being cognizant of the fact that, that Jesus... Um, 
is the power that, that keeps us going, the power that allows us to uh, be transformed in our minds and hearts. When we know that, we also know that He can change our perspective and our attitude toward things. There's just a little story that I want to share with you. Um, um, there was a, a happy little boy that went out into the field and he had his baseball cap on and he had a baseball in one hand and he had a bat in the other. And um, he uh, took that out there and he had this look of real determination and this look of uh, tremendous confidence on his face. And he walked out there and he threw the ball up in the air and he took a swing with the bat. And at the same time he said, I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he missed. He said, strike one. He picked up the ball. He looked at it. He threw it up in the air again. He took a swing and he missed. Strike two. Hmm. Finally, the third time, he examined the bat to make sure it didn't have any holes in it or, you know, something like that. And uh, he picked up the ball and uh, he threw it up in the air and he took a swing and he missed the third time and he said, strike three. And we would think he might be defeated. No. He had perspective and attitude. The right attitude. He said... Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> Perspective and attitude. We can be confident. We can be positive. We can be self-assured that God empowers us to take steady aim, to remain undeterred and strong in the middle of all the confusion and chaos around us as we zero in on the target of the promise of heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's something that I would recommend uh, this, this week if you uh, can find some time to just reflect on maybe what has occurred in 2016. It's great to really sit down and, and take a little inventory, whether you write it down or you make a mental note or you know, whatever you do, speak it into dictate or whatever. But listing all of the, the blessings of God in the year 2016, the, ways God's, uh, the way God's, uh, God has blessed, excuse me. And then maybe list those things that were rather trying that posed as challenges, that were things that, um, that possibly we could do better or that we ask God help. We ask, um, ask Him to help us to change something, to transform something in our lives. And then to look at 2017 
and really anticipate, and I think we can anticipate to a great deal, the blessings God has already in store for 2017. And I'm not going to reveal any of those. Those are ones that you have to think about yourself. But think about that. In what ways do I anticipate God is going to bless in 2017? What have I yet to learn that God may be working on me now? And he may complete that work in 2017. And so as we go into the, the new year, we can, we can have a choice as to um, really how we view that. Do we view it with dread and, and loathing and um, pessimism? Or is it something we look forward to? Each new adventure that God takes us through can be an exciting thing. Whether it's suffering or whether it's something just hilariously joyful. Because God's hand is in it. God's hand is on it. And that makes all the difference. Let's pray. Father, it's a special thing. Um, and it's an awesome thing to be one of your children. And there are times that uh, we, in our relationship with you, um, there, there are many times we do fail, yes. But you help us to stand up and brush our, <laughs> brush our uh, clothes off and get back to it again. There are many times that you... Um, Show your love to us when we feel we don't deserve it, yet that's not up to us. There are many times that you have shown your love to us when we don't understand why. How can you love me because of what I am, because of what I do, because of what I think? And he keeps on loving. Help us to especially concentrate on the target this year, regardless of the noise and the taunts and the whatever may be around us. There, there are all kinds of bugs and, and things that uh, get into the system of life that can draw us away or threaten to draw us away from you. Lord, don't let that happen. Um, help us to keep on target. And that target is eternal life with you through Jesus Christ. Help us to know your will for us. Help us to enjoy working through that in ways that you've empowered us. Give us hope in 2017. And it may not be hope for um, a new material thing, but it may be hope for true life 
and abundant life. And you have it for us. So now, Father, bless us as we leave this place uh, in a few moments and help us to uh, um, go out with, uh, with joy and at the same time go out reflecting on all of the goodness of our great God, in whose name we pray. Amen.